Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Hello and welcome, Marion, this Friday morning. We thank you for joining us here on the Wittenberg Door. As usual, with me is my friend and bodyguard, Alan Dean, and also the man who molecularly transports us into your home, our own Scotty, Scott Spears. Thank you guys for being with us. Thanks for help, yeah. helping us today. Uh, folks, as we get into our topic this morning, we invite you to be part of the program. You can call us with questions or comments at 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. Also, today we're going to change up our agenda a bit. We won't be going over any news stories this morning. Instead, we're going to go directly to the upcoming lessons for this Sunday. This Sunday in the church calendar is Holy Trinity Sunday, and the lessons for this Sunday all deal with the subject of the Trinity. Now, we're going to ask this question, what is the Trinity? And if you're a Christian, you know that the Holy Trinity is the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is one God in three persons. Uh, We make it clear as Christians that we believe in monotheism. We don't believe in, in a plurality of gods. We don't believe that there are more, is, there's more than one God. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, which teaches the Trinity so clearly, we have the uh, elder James who says, you believe in one God, you do well, uh, so does the devil when he trembles. So very clearly James is teaching that monotheism, that there's one God. The Apostle Paul also, in a lesson that we went over a few weeks ago for um, Rigotti Sunday in, second, in, in sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, where he talks about petitioning and prayer, uh, he says, well, God is one. There's one God and one mediator between God and man. So uh, again, uh, Galatians. Paul says in Galatians that, uh, that a mediator is not for one party only, but God is one. And of course, uh, from very ancient text of Scripture from Deuteronomy, you hear the uh, call to Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbors yourself. Of course, uh, Jesus, our Lord, Uh, reiterates this in the New Testament when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he he repeats, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And yet we see in in Scripture a plurality of persons. In John chapter 1, for instance, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, that is, uh, in John 1.14, the word that becomes flesh. He's talking about Jesus Christ. 
who was with God in the beginning and was God. So, uh, he, so you see that plurality of persons there, and Jesus, who is identified particularly, Jesus the Son is identified as God. In Acts chapter 5, we see the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, being referred to as God. In Psalm 2, uh, you see this uh, kind of this uh, interesting turn of phrase, uh, uh, kiss the son lest he be angry with you, and uh, God says about uh, uh, Christ in the Psalms, uh, thou art my beloved son, today I have begotten thee. Um, Genesis one twenty six, we see a plurality of persons. Uh, we see, for instance, God saying, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Uh, we ask the question, Alan, who was God speaking with when he says, let us make man in our image? <laughs> he was speaking to the the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this Trinity. was a kind of an intertrinitarian dialogue. Uh, let us make man in our image. Uh, uh, last week when we went over yeah. the Old Testament lesson, Genesis 11, about the let us go down and confuse their languages. Right. Uh, it's the same thing, the Elohim, uh, which is the God, the Israel, uh, the Israeli uh, Hebrew name for God, uh, with uh, which is a plurality. Uh, it's a plural name. The I am at the end, we would say in English, I am, uh, indicates uh, three or more. So even in the very Hebrew word for God, there is a, there's a plurality of persons. And yet the Old Testament, <coughs> excuse me, Old Testament clearly confesses that there is one God, uh, and New Testament as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, we see the three persons of the Trinity in the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is in the water with John being baptized. The Father speaks from heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. So we see a kind of a picture of the Trinity there. And then especially in Matthew 28, uh -huh. verse 19. And what happens in Matthew 28? That would be the Great Commission, I the believe. The Great Commission, that's right. And in the Great Commission, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing Amen. them how? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, and, and interesting that the language there is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, rather than what, Alan? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than the names, right? Oh, names, right. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, uh, you yeah, know, true. Yeah. he doesn't say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but in the one divine name that all three persons of the Trinity share. Right, right. And uh, in, in that uh, verse, we see really uh, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity encapsulated in that one verse. Right. One God and three persons, one name. And three persons. Uh, now, of course, this doctrine of the Trinity has been mocked by many people, uh, unbelievers. Uh, uh, Bill Maher, for instance, uh, who is sometimes a pretty clever guy and uh, entertaining, good comedian. Uh, but uh, on on the John Stewart Daily Show one night, I uh -huh. he uh, he came on and he was kind of uh, taking Christians to task. And he especially started attacking the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, 
uh-huh. you know, he said, "Well, God is His own Son, and and the, and Jesus is His own Father," and and he and he kind of laughed at that point, as if you know the whole concept was was ridiculous, uh, and and of course the way he put it, uh, it, it is ridiculous. It's it's unintelligible if you put it in that if you frame it that way. Uh, we this the doctrine of the Trinity. We don't say that. The, that the son is his own father or or that the father uh, the, the son begets himself uh, which is the way Stuart was or Bill Maher was putting it on that on the daily program daily show um, but we say that there are three distinct persons correct uh, and one divine essence so the father is not the son the Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Correct. In, as, as regards their personhood, they are distinct. But as regards their essence, one divine essence, it's one God. You know, it's been uh, people have attempted to explain this concept of the Trinity. Anyway, in, in, in many ways, sometimes it doesn't always uh, translate. Uh, because there's really nothing like the Trinity in nature. Uh, there's, uh, you know, we, we might say, um, we might use as an analogy, for instance, the fact that there's a body and a soul. Each human being has a body and soul. And yet there's, and yet there's one uh, person. One person, right. And... Um, uh, uh, the, some other uh, some other analogies people have used. Uh, uh, you may have heard this before, uh, Alan. The the concept of the egg. The egg. Right? I've heard. And the, the egg. egg has a shell, and it has a yolk, and it has a. Go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, got a call. Hello. Yes. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello. Okay. Well, I guess we. Caller, if you want to call us back, we'll be glad to take your call. Uh, by the way, the number is... Uh, I'll seven, say give him the number again. Yeah, but I'm sorry. 740-383-9944. Thank you, Terry. Yep. And um, Sorry to jump in. <laughs> it's all, yeah. it's all right. 383-WWGH. Uh, so you have this kind of this analogy of the egg. Well, what's, what's wrong with the analogy of the egg? Well, you have uh, really kind of uh, three different parts, none of which are like the other. Um, and uh, so really what you have is kind of a, a partialism in uh, that anal- if you take that analogy to its conclusion then you have to say that the father is one part of God the son is another part of God and Correct. the Holy Spirit is another part of God we're not saying that the Trinity the father, son, and the Holy Spirit all three persons make up uh, say a third of the one true God uh, all are God, and yet all are distinct as persons. Uh, another analogy that people have used is the analogy of the sun. You've heard this one before. No, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, the sun is, of course, you have the, this gaseous fire out uh-huh. in the middle of space there. And then you have the light that is generated uh, you okay. know, by, the, by the body of the sun. And you have the heat that is generated by the body of the okay. sun. And what would be wrong with that analogy? You know, some people would say, well, you see, you know, three distinct things. Uh, and yet, uh, one, of the, one of the things that that could teach 
is um, is that the Son and the Holy Spirit are uh, somehow brought into existence um, by the Father, or, or, or they're, they're, they're separate things. Uh, so it's not just not a, a great analogy of the Trinity. We could say as persons, they're. The, the Son is, of course, begotten, and the and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. But uh, but as far as the Trinity itself and the essence of God, it it wouldn't explain it. It would be uh, uh, analogous to an old heresy called Arianism. Uh-huh. Arius was a third century uh, pastor in Egypt, and what Arius said was there was a time when the Son of God was not right. He thought that there was a time when the Son of God was not. In other words, what he was saying was that the Son of God is not eternal. Right. But it comes about in time, which makes the Son a created person, a created being, right? right. And and separate uh, separate as as far as his essence is from the Father because uh, he would not be eternal. In other words, the Son really wouldn't be God. But he would just be like a like an angel or something, you know, maybe a higher order of being than human beings, but still not the one true God. And so uh, we say that uh, that's wrong because uh, the Son of God has is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Son of God is eternal. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. But he is with the Father, as John one one teaches, from all eternity. Uh, here's another analogy that people will try on the Trinity, and it's the analogy of H2O. Which uh, the, that's the, familiar one. The chemical compound of water. Well, you have this, this chemical compound of H2O can come in three different forms, right? Correct. And what are those three different forms? It's liquid, a gas, and a solid. Right. So you have ice as a solid. Right. And uh, uh, steam. Is a gas. Right. And, of course, liquid, you have just water itself, right? Right. Uh, well, what is wrong with that analogy? Uh, well, it could teach. It could teach that God is, um, in his essence, has different forms, right? Right. So, for instance, um, uh, you know, uh, the attributes of ice are one thing. It, it, when you touch it, it's cold. The attribute of steam is another thing. When you put your hand in a in a you know in a, a boy, column of steam, one, yeah. right? You're gonna you're gonna it's gonna get hot, right? Uh, liquid could be uh, just between those two, either hot or cold. Um, so the so the essence or attributes of the of water and in its forms of uh, liquid and and gas and solid uh, are different. And yet, Uh when we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about three distinct persons who all share this one divine essence that is eternal, that is almighty, um, that is uh, 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 omnipotent, uh, uh, omniscient, he knows all things, Um, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, he's good and faithful and kind and all those, uh, all those things that we, uh, uh, God has created to us to to share it, uh, his likeness in that sense. Um, but 
Sibelius, who is uh, another, we have Arius in the third century, fourth century, and we have another uh, early church heretic, uh, Sibelius in the third century, who says that, who tries to, who tries to solve this problem. And one of the things that our human logic runs into when we, when we try to think about the Trinity, one of the things our human logic runs into is a problem, is how can three be one and one be three? Uh-huh. Right? So, so, uh, so Arius, of course, Arius' answer to that is that the Father is distinct as an essence, as a substance from the Son. Uh-huh. That the that the father is one thing, the son is another thing. Uh, now, along comes Sibelius years earlier uh, in the third century, and Sibelius says that God wears masks. Okay, so for instance, there is one God and really just one person, but that one person sometimes portrays himself as the father. At other times, he portrays himself as the Son. (laughs) And at other times, he portrays himself as the Holy Spirit. So that you have this mask. You never really know who the true God is. Uh Because God is always coming to you in in these masks. So God really hasn't revealed himself at all. But, of course, the Scriptures reveal God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So So, uh, so how do we... How do we... uh, Ultimately, how do we explain this? We just have to take the scriptural data and, and form it in a way that, uh, that the truth is told about God and uh, the errors that are against the knowledge of God are refuted. So let's just do that. Okay. Let's start with this Athanasian Creed. And of course, folks, this Sunday is Trinity Sunday. So uh, one of the things we do on Trinity Sunday is we confess what is called the Athanasian Creed. And Athanasius was a, um, uh, a fourth century pastor and defender of the faith. Uh, he uh, passed away in the fourth century, but his theology went on. And uh, sometime later, this what this this creed that was named for Athanasius comes about in the church and and since about the seventh century the church has used this as a way to confess what we believe as Christians. Uh-huh. So why don't we start with that? And uh, Alan, would you start that for us? The Athanasian Creed. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Whoever not, does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. Now, let me stop you there, Alan, because uh-huh. some people are going to have questions about, uh, about what you just said. Uh-huh. Uh, they're going to say, well, uh, I thought that uh, Pastor Cornelius was a Lutheran. And here we are talking about the Catholic faith, right? Well, folks, uh, the, the Catholic, the word Catholic is a Latin word that simply means universal. And, and so when we say Catholic, we're not using uh, the uppercase C uh, for Roman Catholic, for instance. Roman Catholic would be upper, uppercase C, uh, our Roman Catholic. Uh, we're using a lowercase C, which is, is simply uh, means the universal faith. In other words, what the creed is saying here is that all Christians believe this. Everyone who has come to know Jesus and who he is 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, believes this, and uh, of course, uh, whoever does not, whoever does not believe this, whoever does not keep it, uh, the the creed is absolutely right in saying, "Will without a doubt perish for eternity." Uh-huh. That's it's that serious, folks. It's yeah. this doctrine of the Trinity. It, we need to know who the one true God is, and that's what this doctrine of the Trinity teaches us. Uh-huh. So let's go on here. Uh, go ahead, Alan. I interrupted you. Uh-huh. And the Catholic faith is this that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. I'm going to stop you again uh-huh. <laughs> because that word Trinity you won't find in the Bible, people. Nope. Uh, it is actually a word that was coined by a, a, a second century theologian, early third century theologian, a guy named Tertullian who was, uh, who was a, a Roman lawyer and uh, had become a Christian and uh, and began to wrestle with uh, with these issues in in uh, in that world and in in his time and uh, and so he is the one who coins this term Trinity, which the church continues to use. Okay, uh-huh. so uh, go ahead, Alan. Okay, um, for I, the... I made you lose your place. Yeah. Didn't I? <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll read. That. I'll repeat that first line. Okay. That we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in Unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. Okay. Keep your finger there for a second. <laughs> I Keep got your it. Thumb there. Neither confusing the persons right. nor dividing the substance. Right. Now we were just talking about two ancient heretics in the early church. One was called Sibelius, and one was called Arius. Uh-huh. Now, Sibelius was, um, was one who confused the persons. That is, he regarded the Father as really the Son, and the Son as the Holy Spirit. So he didn't make these persons distinct. Um, and Arius was the other fellow. Uh, and Ar- what Arius said was the Father was... Uh, distinct in substance from the Son. So he he divided the persons. So it's like Luther compares this, by the way, to a, a, drunk, uh, a drunk on a horse who uh-huh. falls off the saddle one way, gets back on the saddle and, and falls off the other way. And this is really kind of what humanity does when it tries to um, uh, organize its thoughts by its own logic and reason, we either fall off and we, we confuse the persons like Sibelius and we say that there, there's uh, one person who portrays himself in three ways or we fall off, the, all fall off the saddle the other way and we say that the Father is one being, the Son is another being, and the Holy Spirit is another being. So we, uh-huh. divide, we divide the divine substance. Uh-huh. That's okay. good. That's yeah. good. Okay, so let's go on. <clears throat> For the Father is one person... The Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another. So the distinction is in the personhood, not in the substance. Right. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to explain this here. Exactly what what he means by what it, whatever the father. Another way you could say it is whatever the father is, that's what the son is, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. So correct. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go on then. The father uncreated, 
the Son uncreated and the Holy Spirit uncreated. The they fa- didn't have a maker. No right, maker. no maker. Yeah. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. So limitless. Right. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. Now this is where Arius made his mistake. He said there was a time when the Son of God was not, which means that if there was a time when the Son of God was not, then the, then the Son is not God. Because what what belongs to the substance of God is this eternity, this concept of being eternal. And if you're not eternal, you're not God, right? Absolutely. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. (laughs) Just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite In the same way, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, the Holy Spirit Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. You know, uh, one analogy that might be used or, or, or one way of trying to compare this to some of the some in the ancient church uh, used, for instance, around our table here a few moments ago, there was three persons. There was Terry, there was Alan, and there was Brett. Uh-huh. Right now, these three persons are uh, three similar substances, but not the same substance. Right. Right. So we, for instance, we have similar substances in that we're body and soul. That's our, the, what belongs to the substance of man. Man is body and soul. Right. If you have a body and soul, you're a man. Uh-huh. And so each, the three of us were all, are all men. And yet we, uh, while we are uh, three distinct persons, we are also three distinct substances. We may have a similar substance, but it's different. Uh-huh. Uh, now here's the difference between God and us. God is one substance and three persons, and that's what that's what Athanasius, the Athanasian Creed is. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, good. So the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. Now he may be referring to something we were talking about last week, Alan. You may uh-huh. remember when we talked about the name. The was name. It maybe a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the name and the concept of the name. That name in the Old Testament for God was Yahweh, uh-huh. which uh, in the piety of uh, uh, of the Hebrews, uh, they came to uh, exchange in, in, in order not to blaspheme the name by speaking it usually uh, uselessly. They they uh, began to refer to Yahweh as Lord. Right, and so when the Athanasian Creed says the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, um, that may be a reference to the divine name as well. Right. So, uh, yeah. And yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. Yeah, just as we see in Matthew twenty-eight, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also we are prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. 
the Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. Now, let me stop you there, uh-huh. because what the Athanasian Creed is going into now is what has been called the identifying particularities. Okay. In other words, what is, what is it that identifies each person? Right. What is it that's particular to each person? You know, uh, so it, because uh, if they're distinct as persons, there should be some way of comprehending their distinctness. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, folks, and I know this is really heady, heavy stuff. Uh, so please be patient with us as we kind of work through this issue. But um, so, so what he's talking about here is not the essence of God. All three persons are all powerful. They're all uh, infinite. They're all eternal. Uh, so the, that belongs to the essence of God. And yet there is the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. What is particular to each person? And that's, So repeat that, what you just read there. The Father is not created or begotten. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. Yeah, so we might say the identifying particularity, what uh, distinguishes the Father from the Son, is the Son is begotten, and the Father begets the Son. Right. So uh, so this person does one thing, the other person does is, is has this thing done to them. Right. They, they, they've begotten. So, okay. Yeah, okay. And thus, there is one Father, not three fathers. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed yeah, the, the line. Spirit, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but preceding. Yes. Yeah. So, and we see this in, in the Gospel of John when Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit or the Father, whom the Father will send in my name. And, and Jesus, of course, says he, he, he will send the Holy Spirit to us. Um, so the Holy Spirit proceeds from, he's not begotten, but he proceeds. So what is it that distinguishes the Son from the Holy Spirit? The Son is begotten. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thus, there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And this, and in this Trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. Now, by the way, when it says none is greater or less than another, uh, the Athanasian Creed, it's referring to the substance. Uh-huh. So in other words... In the essence of God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God. Uh, uh, all three uh, are one substance, so none can be greater or less than another. Now, there is, a, there is an issue where Jesus, for instance, uh, says in the Gospels, the Father is greater than I. And he's referring uh, there not to the essence of God, but to the person of God, the Father, the Son obeys the Father, uh-huh. and the Father commands the Son. Of course, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. Perfect love, but but there's a distinction in their roles, and so Jesus can say in the Gospels, "The Father is greater than I." He's not referring to the essence, because the Son is God and the Father is God, uh-huh. but he's referring to the the the, the personness. 
So the son is is um, the son obeys the father. Uh, so there's a, a, a distinction in roles. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal. Yes. So that in all things, as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Yeah. Now here's a, here's something kind of an interesting to, thing to think about, folks, is... Um, one of the things we say about God is that he is, God is love, right? Uh-huh. Now, that belongs to the essence of God. Uh, so if God is, uh, if, if we were to say, as the Jews say, for instance, or the um, Muslims say, that uh, we believe in a strict monotheism where there's one person who is God. So one God means one person. Then you have to ask yourself, who is it that God is loving in eternity? Uh-huh. Right? In other words, if, if, if the essence of God is love, then we have to ask ourselves, who is it that God is loving? Well, with the Trinity where you have... Uh, three persons who are co-eternal, you have this community of love. You have this, of the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Holy Spirit is loved by the Father and the Son. And, uh, and so there's, uh, uh, so uh, as, as has been said sometimes mistakenly by people, that God created us because he wanted someone to love. Well, God already had someone to love. Right. The Father loved the Son. God was already complete and happy in himself. God didn't need us to make him happy. Right. Uh, because you already had this community of persons. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. Okay. And, and then the rest goes into... Um, uh, uh, the teaching on the Son and the Son of God, and and uh, we're going to stick with that, and we're going to end that there, and uh, we'll we'll have a, another opportunity to finish the creed. Uh, but the but the ne- this next part of the Athanasian Creed deals with the Son. It sounds very much, by the way, like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, in that it deals with the work of the Son and what the Son has done, and uh-huh. actually distinguishes the person of the Son. But that that section of the Athanasian Creed is is what we're really interested in is the section about the Trinity. So, Alan, we're uh, we're getting close, boy. Uh-huh. Time has flown. Oh, this has been a great this, subject, this hasn't is a great it? talk about the Trinity. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, let's advance then to uh, our Old Testament lesson for the coming Sunday. Why don't you read that for us? The Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, the chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. 
And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hands in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Okay. Uh, and, of course, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And, and yeah. thanks be to God. God. Uh, uh, now, that that text, folks, is really... Uh, it, it emphasizes the holiness of God and uh, the otherness of God when Isaiah, who is a sinner like all of us, is before in the presence of the one true holy God. He feels himself. I'm like, the version I always love of that is New American Standard says, Woe is me, for I am undone. <laughs> I just think it's a, to be, what does it mean to be undone? It just means to, uh, I have just fallen apart. How can I stand in the presence of this one holy God? And yet the one holy God there uh, makes Isaiah stand in his presence. He, uh, from the altar, uh, Isaiah is cleansed. Isaiah is prepared. Isaiah is, is made able to stand before a righteous and holy God. And of course, uh, we, we take that... that uh, that uh, altar there in Isaiah chapter six is is really kind of a symbol of the cross, which is where where the ultimate sacrifice, uh, the blood of the ultimate sacrifice was poured out when God's own Son was was sacrificed for us, and from that altar we might say uh, we have been touched in holy baptism, and we have been cleansed and washed, and we can stand before a righteous and holy God uh-huh. on the basis of that of that sacrifice and that that altar absolutely and um but uh it uh, you know uh now that is used at trinity sunday because of the uh thrice repetition of the holy 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 which is um, believed by some to be a, a reference to the trinity i think there are better references to the trinity in the old testament genesis 1 genesis 11 for instance uh-huh. we would say uh might even say uh, numbers um Chapter six, I believe, where the ironic blessing is given: "The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace." So there's kind of this um, uh, the issuing of the the one divine name, this three times, uh, which is um, uh, can be uh, a reference, and in, in, I believe is a reference to the to the Holy Trinity. Uh, at any rate. Uh, one thing we do know is that when John talks about Jesus in John chapter 12, the, God, the gospel writer John talks about um, Jesus in John chapter 12, he refers to that passage from Isaiah, and he says about Jesus that Isaiah saw his glory. He wrote this because he saw his glory. That is, he saw the Son of God high and lifted up as the King of Israel. Huh. So okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's go on to the next one, the epistle (laughs) lesson. The epistle is from Romans chapter eleven, verses thirty-three through thirty-six. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been given His counselor? 
or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And, and uh, that's a very short passage, by the way. Um, but we see there, what is, what, is, uh, what is Paul doing there? He is referencing the Trinity. For from him and, and through him and to him are all things. Uh, so you have this kind of this thrifold uh, blessing there. Uh, or this, uh, uh, not blessing, but a, 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 you know, issuance of praise. Um, in this uh, in this passage, well, let's uh, let's go on to the gospel lesson uh-huh. then, because I think really we hit the meat of it here. Right. So, the holy gospel is from the book of John, chapter three, verses one through fifteen. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. <clears throat> this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these do these signs that you do unless God is with him Jesus answered him truly truly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he was old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Uh, but and boy, and there not there just a lot of That's a lot. lot of substance there to that oh. that passage? Um, but why? Uh, and this is kind of an interesting thing when you ask yourself, why did the the people who put together these lectionaries? Why do they have this passage here on Trinity Sunday? And really, a, a wonderful reason. Uh-huh. Is because you know here we've been talking, folks, for the last hour. We've been talking about the concept of the Trinity. Some things of I mean, this is a thing of which is very difficult to understand, very difficult to grasp. And yes, you have these analogies, but the analogies fall short. And yes, you have um, this this wonderful explanation from our creed, where the wisdom of the church is laid out. And we can see um, what the what what Scripture really says about the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have all this, but I also realize as we're going through this that this is very difficult to understand. It's difficult to comprehend, which is why, by the way, you have people who mock 
the concept of the Trinity. Uh-huh. Because it is something we don't encounter in everyday life. And yet, look at what look at what is done here in this passage. You see the spirit who who um, who is the who works this rebirth uh, water in the spirit uh, the Holy Spirit uh, Jesus is referring to um, who uh, works this rebirth in other words he brings us from death to life he brings us from unbelief to belief uh-huh. in whom in in the Son uh, just as this uh, you know uh, that that next verse by the way John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but right. have everlasting life right. you know uh, we see God here <laughs> pictured Father Son and Holy Spirit in this passage um, as the God who comes and saves us. Uh-huh. And all three persons of the Trinity um, have love us and do not want us to perish. And all three persons of the Trinity are at work saving mankind. And that's what, what's true, which ultimately happens at the cross where the Father sends his Son to, to bear the sins of the world that we may not perish but have eternal life. Correct. Just wonderful. Well, folks, we thank you for being with us today. We want to remind you that if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 or Saturday afternoons at 430 at 219 East Church Street, Gethsemane Lutheran Church. Um, and uh, uh, if you want, if you catch, if you caught only part of this program, you want to hear the whole thing, this is available on iTunes now as a podcast, and you can uh, find find us there, The Wittenberg Door, on iTunes. Uh, this program will also be rebroadcast on Sunday morning at 9.15 and Wednesday at 7.15. We invite you to come again next uh, Friday at 11.12 a.m. with us live on The Wittenberg Door.